You're listening to The Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps, retired standing guard on the Wall of Freedom. Hello, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I want to uh, address something Tom just said, which is, in fact, that woke is supposed to advance equity in Europe. So here's the definition of equity and see if it sounds like a definition of anything else you've ever heard of. The definition of equity comes from the public administration literature. It was written by a man named George Fredrickson. And the definition is an administered political economy in which shares are adjusted so that citizens are made equal. Does that sound like anything you've heard of before? Like socialism. They're going to administer an economy to make shares equal. The only difference between equity and socialism is the type of property that they redistribute, the type of shares. They're going to redistribute social and cultural capital in addition to economic and material capital. And so this is my thesis when we say, what is woke? Woke is Maoism with American characteristics, if I might borrow from Mao himself, who said that his philosophy was Marxism-Leninism with Chinese characteristics, which means woke is Marxism. What is evil? How do you actually define what is evil? So let's go to the dictionary and have at least an idea of what the world thinks of evil. So evil is usually thought of a morally wrong, sinful, and wicked. See, those of us that have a foundation in God's word, understand this. But the world doesn't understand it. However, the word evil can also refer to anything that causes harm with or without moral dimensions. This is how the world looks at it. The world doesn't look at a moral dimension because they have no foundation to understand what evil actually is. However, they produce, the world produces what they would call evil, and that is causes harm to anyone. So therefore, you're evil if you cause harm to me, even though there's no morality background to justify that evil. But they want to tell you 
that you're evil. But the truth is very simple. Anything that contradicts the holy nature of God is evil. Not man. You see, we cannot determine what is evil. So ask yourself, why is man not able to determine what evil is? It's a very good question, but it's very simple to understand. We have no foundation to determine what is evil because it's very simple. God created everything. God controls everything. Therefore, he has and shows us what evil is. But the world, the fallen world, that has determined that they don't care about God, has determined what evil means. So, James Lindsay, that you heard at the beginning of the podcast, is giving a speech at the European Parliament about what woke is. A culture war against Europe. The the West is what he's really talking about. It's very powerful. It's 28 minutes powerful. And I've never heard anything in all of my research that explains what woke actually means through James Lindsay. He's a psychologist professor that gets it. Now, here's the weird part. He is agnostic, but he still understands what is happening in this world. Agnostic means he doesn't necessarily believe in God, but he doesn't believe in God. But he has a very, very powerful video on what woke is. And during the break, I'm going to continue that discussion with him so you can have an understanding of what woke really is. What it is, is Marxism in a Western style instead of the normal Marxism. They have to take America down through 
this woke Marxism. So how do you do that? You take a minority, a vast minority of people that are evil in their minds. They don't know it. Most of them don't. The reason behind it is because they're using the world definition of evil that refers to anything that causes harm. See, these evil people do not think they're causing harm in America. But they are. According to what God says that evil is. So let's talk about this LGBT plus Q, whatever you want to add to it. And let's talk about the Gallup poll. And this is from Jeffrey M. Jones in February of 2002. This is what he says. LGBT identification in the United States ticks up to 7.0%. So now we're talking about 23 million people in this country now claim to be in that LGBT realm. And in 2020, it was 5.6, you know, when Biden was elected. One in five Gen Zs, which we're going to talk about, adults identify as LGBT. Bisexual identification is the most common. Not that they, you know, are gay, per se. And I'm sure eventually they're going to come up with another word other than bisexual. But right now, that's what they need to use. The percentage of the U.S. adults who self-identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or something other than the heterosexual has increased to a new high, 7.1%, which is double the percentage from 2012, 11 years ago. Can you imagine that? Doubled. 6.8 million, or I'm sorry, 68.6 million of the Gen Zs. And these people are born between 1997 and 2003. Are classified or identified as these LGBT. 
72.24 million millennials. This is 1981 to 1996. They're the largest group that claim they're LGBT. 65.1 million of Gen X, 1965 to 1980. And then you have 69.6 million baby boomers. So these are the population. So 6.8 of the Gen X, 72.24 of the millennials, 65 of the Gen X, 69 of the baby boomers. And then you have 32 million people that were born before 1964. So this is what the population is. So what we're looking at is the changes in individuals' ideologies, specifically from 1946 until today. But how many of these people have left God's morality to live in this world? No other generation on the history of the planet other than the Gen Z's from 1997 to 2003 has come even close. And they're 20% of the population. <clears throat> In 2020, 47% of the U.S. adults belong to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. At least some type of religious entity down from more than 20 points from the turn of the century in 1900 and 2000. Change primarily due to the rise in Americans with no religious preference. So think about what I'm fixing to tell you. The U.S. working people that attended church today is 77 million. 87 million people do not attend church in America. I think that's the best way to explain this. We're talking about the strength of the evil in America. 
more than 50%, 53 to be exact, of people that are in America do not go to church. If you go back to 1900, yeah, just 120 years ago, not 1,020 years ago, but 120 years ago, 97% in 1900 in America had some type of religious belief. So we're going to take a break. I'm going to play another six minutes or so of this cultural war against Europe. James Lindsay Lindsay explaining to the European Parliament about what woke actually is. I will have the full video in the show notes so you can watch the full thing. This is about 28 minutes. It is absolutely brain-moggling. It messed me up when I watched it. And I've been doing this for years. And then I'll listen to this man talking to the British and how this wokeness is taking over the Western societies. And it absolutely floored me. So do not go away. We'll be right back. So Marx was interested in controlling or understanding and controlling how man produces himself. And he writes about this exclusively in the 1840s, very deeply. How do we do this? And he looks at the economic conditions and he says, this is where it is. And that's why we get economic Marxism. And that's why we think Marx was an economist. But Marx was never an economist. He was a theologian. He wanted to produce a religion for mankind that would supersede all of the religions of mankind and bring him back to his true social nature. And this is the true fact of Marx. And what the goal was, like I said, is to complete man. So what he said is, well, how are we building man currently? All of his economic analysis is about how are we building man at present through what he called material determinism. And he said, well... What we have is a special form of private property in our society. Our society is organized around private property. And so all of our thoughts organize around private property. In other words, there's a special kind of property that the bourgeois elite class has access to, and then they organize society to exclude everybody else from access to that property through exploitation, through alienation, through estrangement, through oppression. And so what Karl Marx was proposing is that economics becomes a vehicle to separate society into a bourgeois class that has access to a special form of property. The people who have access wish to retain that, so they oppress people and keep other people out of that special form of property. They erect a system of classism to do that, 
It's enforced by an ideology called capitalism that believes that this is the right way to uh, engage in the world. And what we have to do is awaken the underclass, the proletariat, to the real conditions and the fact that they are historical agents of change and bring them to do a revolution and transform society so that we would have equity or socialism, whichever word you want. They have the same definition. Now, let's say that we step out. We, this is, we, we step back from this species, this economic species, Homo economicus, and we step back to the genus and we look at this idea, a special form of property that segregates society into people who have the bourgeois and the people who do not have, who are in class conflict with an ideology that keeps this in place. And the underclass must awaken with consciousness to fight back and to seize the means of production of that form of deterministic property. And now we say, change out class, put in race and watch. We get critical race theory falls out of the hat, just like that. Very simple. In 1993, Cheryl Harris wrote a long article for the Harvard Law Review called Whiteness as Property. She explained that whiteness or white privilege constitutes a kind of cultural private property. She says it must be abolished in order to have racial justice. Just like Karl Marx said that in the Communist Manifesto, he wrote, communism can be summarized in a single sentence, the abolition of private property. Well, this is why critical race theory calls to abolish whiteness, because whiteness is a form of private property. People who have access to this property are whites or white adjacent, or they act white. These are words out of the American lexicon that they've used to describe how, how people gain access to the private property. People without that are people of color, and they are oppressed by systemic racism. Systemic racism is enforced by an ideology of white supremacy. Instead of capitalism, if you think of whiteness as a form of cultural capital, white supremacy, as they define it, is identical to capitalism. It's the belief, it's not believing that white people are superior. It's believing that white people have access to the control of society and should maintain that. Even if you don't actually believe that, if you merely support that, you have adopted the, the ideology of white supremacy into your mind. And so you have the exact same system. And the goal is to awaken a racial consciousness in people so that they will band together as a class and seize the means of cultural production so that white cultural production is no longer the dominant mode. It's a big mystery in Europe, I know, and in the UK, throughout Europe, I hear this question again and again. Why on earth is this very American phenomenon about slavery and so on that doesn't apply to our country? Why is it popular here? It's because it's not about history at all. It's not about slavery at all. Those are excuses that they use. It's about creating a class consciousness that's against this form of property called whiteness, that's against the dominant culture that may just be a matter of fact, say, if you're in Europe. That's why. Because it becomes a site by which people can come together and they can channel resentment and try to claim power. I wrote a book called Race Marxism and I defined critical race theory as it really is in that book on the first page. I said that critical race theory is calling everything you want to control racist until you control it. But couldn't we say the same about Marxism? It's calling everything you want to control bourgeois until you control it. But those mean the same thing. They mean exactly the same thing. But what about, say, queer theory? How is that Marxist? It's very strange, all this gender and sex and sexuality. Well, 
Tom said, what is woke attack? The idea of being normal. Well, the queer theory thinks that there are certain people who get to set the norms of society. They are privileged. They call themselves normal. They say this is normal. It's normal to consider yourself a man and look like a man and act like a man and dress like a man and eat meat like a man. And then there are women that should be feminine and pretty and all these things. And so they get to define what's normal. They're heterosexuals, so they get to define the heterosexuality as normal and other sexualities are abnormal. And so you have a conflict across this cultural property of who gets to be considered normal and who is a pervert or a freak or some other term that gets used in their literature. These sick and evil people are now determining what normal is. How can 7% of the population in America determine what normal is? It's because it's a fad. It's like everything else that has happened throughout this country. Remember back in the 60s when we had belt bottoms? You know, these pants with these big ending expansions that goes towards your feet. It was the fad. It was the thing. Like yesterday when you had people that would pull their pants down halfway down and not have a belt. It's a fad. That is the same thing that is happening with these gender dysphoria identity people. It's really actually a fad. So if that's true, then hopefully it will go away. But we don't know for sure because the governments across the globe are adopting this, not just corporations, but the government. So if you go to Google search and you search for gender dysphoria or gender identity, this is what you're going to get on the top of the page. Some people with gender dysphoria, but not all, may want to use hormones and sometimes surgery to express their gender identity. Gender dysphoria is not a mental illness, but some people may develop mental health problems because of gender dysphoria. That's Google. So they're giving you half of the truth and gaslighting you 
to believe that these people are not sick or have some type of mental illness. Okay, get it. Let's go to the American Psychiatric Association. The psychiatrists telling us the term transgender refers to a person whose sex assigned at birth, i.e. the sex assigned at birth, usually based on external genitalia, you know, physical evidence, does not align with their gender identity. Some people who are transgender will experience gender dysphoria, which refers to psychological distress that results from an incoherence between one sex assigned at birth and one gender identity. Though gender dysphoria often begins in childhood, some people may not experience it until after childhood. So this is the world. Even the psychologists are agreeing that it's not a mental illness. Well, I hate to tell you this, but if we go back to what I said before, that evil is usually thought of as a morally wrong, sinful, and wicked. However, the word evil can also refer to anything that causes harm. You see, these people that are doing this transgender stuff do not believe it is causing harm. And that's why they believe in doing it. It's very simple. This is not, you don't have to have a uh, PhD in psychology to understand that these people are absolutely lost. What I can't grab my fingers around is why 7% of the population is able to control the 93, 93% of the population to believe or accept as normal these people. And I tell you, this is not Right. These people do not determine 
what is normal in this country and or across the world. At least for the majority of us. But see, there's a reason behind this. It's called business and money. Now, we've already seen boycotts of companies that have tried to push this. But I'm going to read something from the Harvard Business Review. You know, those high-class people that produce these brainiacs graduating in their colleges. More than 12% of the U.S. millennials identify as transgender or ginger, gender not conforming, and a majority believe that gender is a spectrum, you know, like a spread of multiple choices instead of man, woman. That's simple, right? In the U.S., 56% know someone who is a gender-neutral pronoun, and 59% believe forms should include options other than men and women. Okay, so you got 7% of the population that fall in there, but then you have 56% of the population that says, you know what, it, it, it's okay. 56% that are not LGBT, but they, they're okay with these people doing it. 25% of the Gen Zers expect to change their gender Identity at least once, if not more, during their lifetime. So, you understand what's driving this. It's not the 7% of people that are going through this evil. It's the 56% of the people that are accepting the evil. This is what the businesses are capitalizing on. Companies are starting to realize that this shift is no longer something they can ignore. Now you understand that it's it's not the very small minority of Americans that are actually in this situation of gender dysphoria. It's the 56% of Americans that are accepting it. That's the market that the companies are going towards. 
And best way I can explain this is that is the rest of the story. Just like Paul Harvey did for years on his radio show. Now you understand why we are in massive evil, not just because of the 7% of people that are committing the evil, but it's the 56% of Americans that are accepting the evil. This is the gunny. Thank you so much for listening. Share the podcast far and wide. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Stand up for the flag and let's all ring the liberty bell. Let's make a Ford and a Chevy that would still last ten years like the should. Cause the best of the free life is still yet to come. The good times ain't over for good.